I want to confess something first. Um, I'm a terrible, terrible Christmas present rapper, like rapper period. Um, not beatbox rapping, but like, like rapping presents. I'm terrible at that. Absolutely terrible. My wife is amazing. Mine look like I'm trying to be bad. Like it looks like, <laughs> like children do a much better job. So I'm a, I'm a bad guy. I love to put stuff in bags. That works. Uh, Taryn's amazing at it. Like she knows how to put the tape. I mean, she loves tape. Like that's, that's the thing I want to confess you about her. She loves tape. So everything you pull off, you think you're about to see the present. Nope, more tape. Um, and then there's just, there's tape around every corner. I'm pretty sure she uses an entire roll for one present. It has to be, because I have to undo them all. Uh, our, <clears throat> I'm so bad, like, I'm, it, it, it's, it's just awful. It's like, um, you know, I think Martha Stewart throwing up on a gift would look better than what <laughs> my gift looks like. Sorry, that was way too far. I know. I know it was too far. Um, and so... Our kids have their own unique style of, of wrapping, or not wrapping, but of unwrapping. They, they love to unwrap. Uh, Camden, our youngest, he's two, when he um, unwraps something, like he's stuck on that one gift. It doesn't matter if he has two or three or another gift waiting for him. He does not care. He's enamored with that one gift. And if not the gift, then just the box, right? Some of you guys are the young kids know they're just enamored with the box sometimes. So if you're in a pinch for finances this, this year and you've got a two-year-old, just give them some cool boxes, wrap them up, and Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, once they get to, uh, to be our older son's age or, or somewhere in there, they have a little bit of a different approach. It's like, how many can I get through in like the shortest amount of time? Like it's a contest or something. And so he, he goes through this, and he doesn't even like really look at it. He just wants to move on to the next thing. Uh, as we get older, as we become adults, Everything is a lot less glamorous, right? Like we need a vacuum, so we're getting a vacuum cleaner for Christmas. It doesn't get wrapped. It's just we bought ourselves a vacuum cleaner. Yay! Or like uh, I really need underwear, so I'll have unwrapped, or in my case, completely wrapped underwear with 25 pieces of tape on it. So, <laughs> but usually as we get older, the, the, the whole present thing loses its kind of mystery and its kind of wonder, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Hopefully we're understanding deeper and deeper meanings about what Christmas is, and it's not about all the gifts, but it's about the gift. It's not about all the presents, but about his presence. And so I just hope we're reminded of that today. And, and we're going to dive into the scriptures. And just to catch you up, last week we started this series called It's Not What It Looks Like. And, and last week we, we talked about faith, and if we can kind of lean into, lean into our faith and, and adjust our attitude of faith, that it might actually unwrap or unlock our joy in the Lord that sometimes we just have such a poor attitude about our faith and just like, it's just kind of, I hope it works out. There's not a real sense that we're leaning into our faith. We just find ourselves tossed to and fro. And so today I want to kind of talk about unwrapping something else, but I want to talk about unwrapping the glory of the Lord that has come to us and how that, you know, understanding the glory of the Lord and experiencing the glory of the Lord will help us really unwrap his peace, unwrap his peace. And so I want to go to Luke, the second chapter, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 14, and then we're just going to talk about verse 14 for a while today. So um, we're going to dive in here. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. David, they're doing like a registering, like census type thing, just to catch you up on what's happening. So he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the, the time came for the baby to be born. And there were uh, shepherds living out in the fields nearby. They were living out there, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? 
They were terrified, terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, this is what the angels are declaring. Listen to this. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I want to really kind of spend our day kind of breaking down that fourth verse. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Before we get to that, look at verse 9. Go back to verse 9 with me. I want to tell you about shepherds. Like Shepherds, I think sometimes when we look back, we really kind of glorify their role, particularly because of David. You know, we kind of picture him sitting down with his guitar and like shredding with the sheep. And it's just like this beautiful picture. And David's like this, like they, they, you know, they sculpt, you know, all these incredible sculptures out of him. And like he's like, so we have this kind of beautiful picture of what a shepherd was, but a shepherd was really despised, actually. A a shepherd was a, a lowly kind of class of people, if you will. It was a despised occupation. It was considered dishonorable. I mean, I don't know what that occupation might be in your brain. I don't really look at many professions as dishonorable, but there might be some that come to your mind. That's a dishonorable. Like, that's how people viewed him, like, viewed a shepherd because they weren't there to protect their families at night. And so that was a big deal. A man needed to be home to protect his family at night. And so when they weren't, they were considered dishonorable. And, And so I think understanding this is a big deal for what happens here. Because what happens to these shepherds who are looked down and they're dishonored in society, God shows up and they experience the glory of the Lord. And if you compare this to the Magi, people of influence from the East, that they had this incredible influence, they were speaking with world leaders and national leaders, they were giving their wisdom and and, and things that they saw in the sky about what was to come and and helping uh, see things that were going on. If we compare that to in Matthew 2, their experience, they did not encounter the glory of the Lord. They did not have this showing in the field. So there's a big, deep message for us as we begin to have this discussion about the glory of the Lord and how peace and on, on whom his favor rests is important. It's to understand that God, that every single one of us have the ability to experience the glory of God. That it's not locked away for some elite few. The wise men that we may find ourselves distanced from, but it's for all of us. If the glory of the Lord can appear to shepherds out in the middle of a field and feel, they feel ostracized, they felt lonely, they literally, as the scripture says, lived out in the fields. I mean, some of you like might look at like uh, Emerson, wasn't it, or was it Thoreau or Emerson? One of those guys lived like out in the woods, like in the middle of nowhere, and we kind of glorify that. But that's a lonely, tough lifestyle, particularly when it's your occupation, leads you to complete uh, isolation, not only physically, but when you do go back, you feel isolated even more. So if you feel like that, feel comfort, if you feel dishonorable, or you feel like people look down on you, uh, let, let yourself be raised up by understanding that the glory of the Lord, we can experience that. And so that's really the first thing. Go to verse 14. Let's read this one more time, and we'll begin to get into our points. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So I want to break down the glory of God, and and I think that's the first thing I want to tell you today. I think he's got a point up there for you. It's just that the glory of God is really, really, each one of us have the ability to experience the glory of God. Every single one of us, not only to experience the glory of God, but to give glory uh, to God. Every single day we have this opportunity, but we take it for granted. I don't know about you, 
But for me in this season, I feel like I take a lot of things for granted. Aren't we reminded in the season of Thanksgiving and Christmas that, man, particularly with Buy a Tree, some of you guys have been out here killing it and like sharing stories of just uh, what a lot of these children are going through and what we're trying to do in raising money for them. And we realize kind of in this whole process, man, we take a lot of things for granted. And what more do we take for granted than the presence of God? What more, what greater gift do we take for granted than the gift that's given to us in Jesus? But we've got to start with this kind of mindset. First of us, we all have the opportunity to experience God and to give glory to God every single day. Let me kind of define the glory of God, what, really what that is. Because as with the shepherds, sometimes that's kind of an epic kind of term that kind of terrifies us. And like I don't really know what that means, or I don't really know what that means to experience that. And so I want to kind of further define that. And, and I think it's like this. It, it's the infinite perfection. This is my definition. You can come up with one, read through the scriptures, and come up with one if you want. The infinite perfection and radiance of the holiness of God. So the infinite perfection, basically saying that God did not, um, he doesn't speak truthfully, but he is truth. He doesn't act justly, he is just. He, he doesn't just act in love, but he is love. He's the embodiment of infinite perfection. That us, we try to do things that measure up, and it falls so fall, uh, far short of the, what, the glory of God. That's what the scriptures tell us. And so it's the infinite perfection and the radiance of the holiness of God, the perfection of God, the beauty of God. It's, it's, it's the glory of God is that emanating out of him. And furthermore, to explain that in, in a way that we can, I think, find very tangible, Jesus is the glory of God radiating into the earth. Jesus is that perfection that came down from heaven and made its dwelling among mere mortals, among feeble people like you and I, and showed us the way of salvation. And so he embodied all that in his life in that perfection. That's why he was the apt sacrifice, because he was perfect. He embodied that infinite perfection. So that's just kind of a simple definition. Is that simple? Probably not. It, it's, it's, it's a definition to, that we can work with, but furthermore, we've got to grab a hold of this, that Jesus is the glory of God uh, that we experience. And so I want to go to uh, John chapter 1. John actually refers to Jesus throughout his entire gospel as the word, like capital W word, not like lowercase word. It says this, in the beginning was the word, Jesus. And the word was with God. So before he ever existed in this earth, he was with God. And the word was God, fully God, and was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. That He was the pattern in which God shaped the earth. So when God created it, he said it was good. It was because it was in the pattern of Jesus. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, the radiance of all mankind. It was coming out of heaven. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus came to earth radiating that, but the darkness did not overcome it. And then verse 14, just skip down uh, verse 4. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his what? His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. Not partially full of grace and truth, but fully. 100% infinite perfection. So you, you've tracking with me. You seem like a people that are super smart and keeping with me pretty well. So the glory of God. So understanding that and understand that we have the ability to experience that in this season. And sometimes we don't have words for what we experience. 
we, we don't have words for understanding this grace that has been given to us, and it just feels overwhelming. Some of you have experienced God's grace, and you even got terrified. You're like, I don't know what's happening. This is insane. I don't know this feeling. I don't know why I'm weeping right now, but something is happening like in my heart, and there's a brokenness, and there's a tension in my heart. And so where some of you may say, I've never experienced the glory of God, I would say a lot, of you have, a lot more of you have experienced the glory of God than what you think. Because it, it, it's experiencing Jesus. If you've ex- experienced Jesus, if you've received his grace and understood that, then you've tasted and you've seen that the Lord is good. And so it's, again, it's not wrapping that gift back up, but it's experiencing that fresh and anew every single day. And I think that begins to help us as we begin to experience the glory of God. And not only experience the glory of God, but to give the glory to God. I mean, I just love that this comes from sh- these angels, and this is literally their sentence that they're declaring in, in not English, I'm sure. I don't know what it was, but I don't, I don't think it was English. It's been translated to us. But this is the words that are emanating from their mouth. Glory to God in the highest. How incredible that, that they're able to just utter this out. We're able to read these words in which they declare and give praise to God. It's just overwhelming to me. And so I want us to, to lead that into just a conversation on peace. Conversation on peace. Because that may be the harder one for us today. As big as the glory of God is, just for what's happened in our world, peace is kind of a big deal right now, right? I mean, for years, beauty queens have been saying, world peace. But now I feel like we've got more people in the world praying for peace in a genuine way just because of the strife and, and brokenness we see in our world. And, and, and I could have a much longer conversation on global peace that would take a lot more time. Um, but I, I really want to narrow this down into our own hearts first, right? What good ha- would we have that, that all the world is at peace physically, but yet spiritually we're not at rest? I mean, wouldn't that be really sad if like, okay, peace did happen in the earth and all that, and we would still be broken inside, and we'd still be like, Everything's, like Louis C.K. said a long time ago, everything's perfect, perfect and nobody's happy. Like, wouldn't that be terrible? But that happens. Some of us are experiencing that now. So I want to talk about peace really first at the, at the individual level and then at the home level, like husbands, wives, families. I, I want to talk about what peace looks like and how this speaks into us today. Glory to God, peace on earth. Because before we can talk about that, I think we've got to talk about peace on, on the home front and really right here. Um, I've had a lot of times in my life where things got rocky and I had to cry out and call upon the peace of God and he showed up in really amazing ways. Um, Our house is a pretty peaceful house. Taryn and I are actually what I would consider both peacemakers. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but we both, like, we don't want to go to bed mad at each other. Like, some of you love to go to bed mad at each other, some of you married couples in the house. Like, you love to go mad, like, you love to get in an argument and then, like, drop the mic and then fall, like, start snoring. Like, that's, that might be the way you like to do it. And our home, both of us are peacemakers, and we really like to work things out. And, and you may say, well, good for you guys. We're not like that. And, and I'll just tell you where that starts, because I've not always been like that. I love a good argument, okay? My, my teacher, when, my, uh, when I was a kid, knew I was going to be a lawyer, because I love to argue. Um, and, and so haven't always been like that, but I'm telling you, Jesus changed me. Jesus changed me. I was not a peaceful person. I've told, I don't know how many stories about me get suspended for fighting in school, okay? So I was not a peaceful person. Me and my brother fought every single day with sticks and brooms. Peaceful was not how you would describe me on the outside. And what all that was birthing from was an internal lack of peace. And so let me first define peace as we move forward. I think it's the divine rest of the soul. 
the divine rest of the soul that, that supersedes, that goes way beyond temporary stuff, like physical stuff, and beyond the troubles of our broken world. It's, it's an, an eternal, it, it's a, a divine rest of the soul. And furthermore, we'll go on to, to look at this here in a second, but it's a gift. It's a gift. Galatians 5 says the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace. Peace. So it's a, it's a fruit that comes out of being with God. And as we look in John chapter 14, verse 27, I think it is, peace, I, look at this is what Jesus said, peace I leave, I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. Peace, my peace I give you, right? It's a gift. How many of you guys want to receive a gift this season? Anybody? Come on, just be honest. You've got something on your Amazon wish list you're hoping that shows up. You don't know who's getting it. You haven't sent it to anybody, but you're just praying God speaks that off of your wish list onto somebody's iPhone or something. Um, right? We're hoping for a lot of things this season, and I don't care if there's a thing under your Christmas tree this year. I don't care if there's a soul that buys you a gift. If, if you can receive the gift of God, if you can receive the peace of God, you will have received the greatest gift of all. And, he, and it's not something you earn. Like, we can immediately move to this place. Like, we need to work on this peace. Some of us in our life right now, you're saying to yourself, once I get this promotion, or once I get this built, or once I get to this place, and it's always moving. Every time we get there and we think that peace, we're chasing peace and not receiving peace. And we're trying to do it of our own hands. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure this out when I get here. And we have these elaborate plans, and we're not just receiving the peace that God's given us. Like, and we've moved ourselves into this works theology, going right back and like, oh, I receive the grace of God, but then I don't receive it on a daily basis. I don't receive this gift of peace that he's giving us. I give you. I do not give as the world gives. It's not coming wrapped up in a present, but it's illuminating in our hearts. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. I want to come back to what I was just saying, that so many times we just... We try to work it, work it out, and like we're just trying to work on these things, and we're not receiving really what God's placed in our heart and emanating from our hearts. And so I really just want to encourage you in, in this house, like if you're going through some things, if you're going through some things in your life that you're not experiencing, you know, peace at a deeper level, like I want you to experience this. It's, it's so powerful. Like what's hap- happened in our marriage, and honestly, this is going to make some of you sick that love to argue with your spouse, we don't fight. We don't. I know that sounds like, oh, they're perfect. No, 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 no. We're not, because if you want a list of things, I'm not perfect. You know, she won't give it to you, but, because she's a good one. She's a good one. But we could both make great lists of how we're not perfect. And I, I'll all believe it, it's because we found this deeper peace in the Lord. And, and some of you in this room, like, external peace is like insane right now, like, uh, um, or excuse me, ex- you've got external chaos going on in your life, right? And, and it's really, a lot of it's birthed out of internal chaos. You've got external chaos, you've got internal chaos, and there's sometimes there's a relationship there in a, in a deep way. Other times, you know, uh, everything may be perfect on the outside, and again, still no one's happy. There's still just that depression, there's still that kind of bitterness that's being held over, they're still keeping score in a marriage, and then other times, like there's just something, like our world is a mess. We don't know what's coming and going. Like we don't know what's going on. Life's changing. I can't keep up with the world. We're just overwhelmed by the brokenness of our world, overwhelmed by what's going on at work or at home, the strife. But somehow, in the midst of all that chaos, you are sitting here with a smile on your face, enjoying your heart, and there is a deep sense of peace that God has 
all this in his hand and that he's in control. And that starts again with giving glory to God. It starts with experiencing that grace. It doesn't say, I'm going to work on it. It's really receiving the gift, receiving the gift of grace in Jesus. That is the glory of the Lord that has emanated into the earth. And so it's this really beautiful thing. And so if you're struggling to figure out how you're going to put the pieces back together, if you're struggling to figure out how we're going to get peace in our marriage or peace at work, start here. How are we going to get peace in our world? I don't know, but I know that regardless of what happens in this world, there is going to be a deep-seated peace in Jesus Christ in my life that I will have a smile on my face and be able to give glory to God in the highest because of that. And so I just want you to take a deep breath and know as hard as you are trying to make everything perfect and peaceful, you can't. He is perfect. He is working. He is the author and finisher. He will, he's, what he started, he will finish. Okay? So the things he started in you, you don't have to perfect them. He's going to perfect them in you. Okay? It's one of my most encouraging scriptures in my life is that what God started, he'll finish. Because after he starts something, I start thinking I can finish it. How am I going to do this? I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm overwhelmed. I can't. I don't know what to do now. Man, that's this encouraging scripture for me that says that God's going to finish what he starts. Not that he gets it started and now I've got to go figure it out. And so I want you to be encouraged that the peace of God as we begin to just experience the glory of God, experience the grace and Jesus of the Lord that we'll begin to experience a new peace in our lives. I think that first is going to find its, its, its tangible nature in those that are right around us. We'll be less prone to judge and call out harm in our marriage because we have a deep realization of the glory of God that has saved us, Jesus that has saved us, and that grace that we are so desperate for. I want to begin to wrap this up today. And it ends with, on whom his favor rests. On whom his favor rests. And this is Actually, it might even be a weird place to end, but it's, um, it's powerful. Um, I think a lot of times this word favor, we, we have all kinds of understandings about what that is. Like, anybody love the favor of God? Like, doesn't that sound amazing? Yes, we love that, and, and, and as we should, and as we should. But I think we've, we've taken that term, and it's become, had this identity that's outside of the context of the scriptures, Okay. Because really, the, the, the Greek term for this, of, on whom his favor rests, is sometimes you'll read it, goodwill, or his satisfaction. We'll find a, a text in the Old Testament, like in Psalm 5, verse 12 here. I think he's got it up there for us. Uh, for you, not for you. For you, O oh Lord. <laughs> it's good to have this. Typos can just break a good spiritual atmosphere, can't they? For you. Uh, oh Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him. But what did the scriptures say? Our righteousness is but filthy rags, right? And so as we understand Jesus, as we understand Greece, that, that righteousness is not in ourselves. So how do we understand this term favor? Because again, just like with peace, we can move to this very like, heavy like, works theology that if I want the favor of God, I better start doing everything right. And again, we, we begin to, and God blesses faithfulness. God blesses obedience. All those things are amazing, okay? We teach that in our membership stuff. We teach that, okay? But it's important for us to not move this place that takes us away from God's grace, that our greatest favor is when we reside in Jesus, our greatest, his greatest satisfaction is we find our delight and our satisfaction in him. I, I love the psalmist said, um, hide me in the shadow of your wings. I, I, I love that one. Like, I, I can sit here and try to work favor on my own, but when I find myself saying, there's nothing of myself, but 
I'm just in his wings, and that's a favorable place to be. That's a, that's a peaceful place to be. And so that there's, a different, there's a different peace among believers. There is. There, we are supposed to be an example to the world on peace. And some of you have not experienced that in church. Some of you have experienced something very different from that. But I'm telling you who the Bible and who God has called us to be is a people of peace. That there is unity even when we disagree and from our diverse backgrounds we find agreement at the feet of Jesus. And that, as my dad would say, when we had a family meeting, some of you guys grew up at family meetings at your house. We had a family meeting. All right, after this, all hearts and minds are clear. Understand me? You know, he just, he'd lay it down. And so we just, we began to just find ourselves unified as a family. And some of us in this house, we need to find ourselves unified around the feet of the Lord and not let strife come into our own lives and dissension in our own hearts, and then it begins to happen between people, and then it happens much larger. Um, I mean, so favor, don't, don't get that misconstrued. Just find your dwelling in Christ, and, and the favor of God follows that as you are in Christ. Um, and let me, let me end with this. Taryn, when Taryn was little, um, as good of a present rapper she was, and as beautiful and as sweet and as perfect as she seems to you. I know she does to me, and so I know she does to you too. Um, when she was a kid, uh, her mom and dad had all the presents wrapped around Christmas, and her and her brother decided they were going to go in, and when the mom and dad were gone, and unwrap everything. Oh, there's some others that have done that. I've heard that. Unwrapped everything while they're gone, right? And, um, but as good of a rapper she is, she got that from her mom, and so she wrapped them up just like mom had them. And mom and dad didn't know until, what, five years ago? Until she was in college. So it was a long time. She held that secret for a long time. So mom and dad, this is your cue. Your kid, you think your kids don't know where they're at. They do, so change your hiding spot. Um, and uh, so she wrapped them back up, and, and it was perfect. And I just began to think about this week. It's always a fun story to tell around this time of year because it's just funny. Um, and I was just thinking about that, how many times we do that with the glory of God, like, we'll come in and we'll receive this message, and, like, we'll check it out, and then we'll just wrap it back up. And we won't just, like, receive the gift. And not that she was supposed to receive the gift right then. She kind of moved up the timetable. Um, but daily, we have the opportunity to experience the glory of God. We have the opportunity to give glory to God. And so I'm just calling upon you today, don't wrap, off the, don't wrap the gift back up. <laughs> don't, don't make it into something that it's not. Just experience Jesus. Just receive the glory of the Lord. Experience that. And if you feel like I'm not worthy, duh, you're not worthy. But God showed us here in our scriptures, uh, in, in the scriptures today, that he was appearing to, to shepherds who were considered just lowliest of the low, dishonorable. And so if you find yourself in, in a place today of feeling less than, than worthy, know that Jesus invites you to come and he, he makes us worthy. And it's not righteousness of our own that we've obtained, but it's, it's the gift of God that we experience. And so I want to ask you to stand. My, my lovely wife's going to come and invite us to the table in just a moment. And I want to pray for you today. Many, many times I ask you to pray with one another. I ask us to come and pray, but I feel led of the Lord to just say a prayer over you. And ask that God, and if you can agree with it, then I just pray that you would agree with it and receive it in Jesus' name. Let's pray. God, we're humbled as with the shepherds. Some of us are terrified as with the shepherds. And 
God, I pray today that as we have experienced your glory in worship, in word, in fellowship, and now in the table, God, that I pray that our hearts would just be illuminated with joy, God, as we lean into the faith that you've placed in us, God. God, I pray that that peace would not be something that we have to work and make happen, but something we just receive on a daily basis as we give all glory to God and put you first in our lives. God, I just thank you that you appear to such men as I, that you speak to such men and women that fill this room, God, that none of us have gone too far, none of us have, have, um, are, are too far, God, are too dishonorable, or, 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 or none of us are worthy, and you've made us worthy through Jesus. I thank you for your infinite perfection that has um, birthed into the world in this beautiful child, Jesus, King of the world, King of the earth. God, we thank you this day. We just pray that peace would be in our hearts. May we ever remember, God, may we ever not take you for granted on a daily basis. May we encounter and experience peace, not on a coffee mug and not under a, a tree, but God, in God himself, in you, Father, that is our heart today, to experience that peace. Pray that we'd unwrap that gift fresh and anew, today and every day in Christ's holy name. Taryn's going to come and invite us to the table, and we're going to continue to worship.